She Loves Herself with Jill Ritchie, showing you how to embrace vulnerability and unearth your power within. Hi, everyone, and welcome to She Loves Herself, the podcast. I am so excited because we have an amazing guest on. We have the one and only Holly Matthews. Oh, this is so exciting. I love this. I love it. And you know, I didn't actually, I, you had told me, but I'd forgotten the name of the podcast. I mean, I just jumped in because it was you and I was like, it's going to be awesome, whatever it is. But I love the name. Mm-hmm. I love this name. This mm-hmm. is so important. Yeah. So many people struggle with this. Definitely. And I want to talk about that with you, actually, because the reason I want you on here is because you're definitely my type of girl. You are real. You're honest. You are no bullshit. And actually, that's how you describe yourself. You're a no <laughs> yeah. bullshit self-development coach. And for those of the listeners that don't know anything about you, you are a former TV actress. You've been on Waterloo Road, Casualty and Biker Grove, which was one of my favorite shows when I was growing up. <laughs> yeah. And you're also the founder of the Happy Me Project, but you're more than that. You're a mum to two gorgeous girls, Brooke and Texas. And we're going to yeah. talk a wee bit about them too. And yeah, I think I've covered everything, but I know there's so much more to you. Do you know what? It's always so hard when I do interviews and things like that because I feel like I've lived a hundred lives in my, I'm nearly 36. In my 36 years, it feels like there's been so much packed into it, which is a great thing. It's just always hard to sum up when people go, give me a quick bio. And I'm like, how do I do this? I mean, I don't do quick very well, but it's been a lot of stuff. And and it actually, you know, it all all makes perfect sense when you hear the background of me going from acting into self-development I always think people think that's a big jump but actually the reason I loved acting and I was very much uh, you know I was a tv actor mostly although I did stage and everything else and actually you'll find that tv actors are often quite introverted and very thinky people and the reason that I loved acting and you know learning about characters was because it gave me insight into why people why we do the things that we do and so I loved getting a character, getting a role, learning about that character, getting inside that character's head, and then pretending to be that character and playing it authentically. But actually, the work that I do there is not much different to what I do in self-development. If I'm working with someone or I'm, you know, I'm talk, you know, I'm creating content for my audience, I get inside the head of my, I mean, this is, you can probably see my background here on the wall. These are the people, these are my people that I would work with the people that I tend to my audience. And when you do that kind of work with your business, you're thinking, right, so what do these people need? What do they need from me? How can I show up best from them? It's the same kind of process as being an actor. The only difference now is I don't then go on to pretend to be them. I then help Mm -hmm. those people to unlock what's going on for them. But actually it's been quite a, it's been quite a seamless transition for me. I think it's always harder for other people. And like my mom will often just drop in, when are you going to go back to acting? (laughs) They can't move forward. And I'm like, I'm not saying I will never do that because who knows? You know what? I love, I enjoyed lots of the world of acting and certainly TV still comes calling and that, you know, I still do some TV stuff as well. And, and that will certainly be another step for me, but it will be in a very different format. It will be me being me and talking self-development rather than me playing a character. But it's, yeah, it's always a hard one, you know, to kind of, get it mush everything into one thing of who I am and what I've done. Mm. And what I love about you though, Holly, is you are, your strength, you're a strong person. And what really comes across with everything that you do, 
across your platforms, you know, your YouTube channel, um, the Happy Me Project is authenticity. You are you. There's no bullshit. And when we talk and we joke and we say, we're no bullshit. And I'm definitely a no bullshit person. Yeah. But it really comes across in your energy that you are just you. You're unapologetically you. Yeah. We talked earlier before we started recording. I'm okay to swear. And, you know, <laughs> and we laugh. But you're you. And that's what makes you so relatable to so many people. What was it? Have you always been like that as a child? Or is that something that's progressed about actually you know when you, you want to get into acting you have to be a certain way to fit in you're up against people yeah. you're compared did you just go fuck it at one point or I don't yeah I think I did and I don't because I don't think I was always when I was a child you know you grow up in as a very you know a, an artistic kind of soul and I was always that kid you know my dad was a welder my mum works in a bank we didn't I didn't grow up in a tv family I wasn't pushed into the showbiz route it was actually something that I think initially was to bring confidence out in me that I did an acting class and then I loved it from the minute I understood what that was a thing and I could escape into these characters and I could do, I, I loved it. And even when I was like seven or eight, you, if you'd spoken to me, I would have said, right, I'm going to RADA in London and I'm going to go to this. I knew exactly what I wanted, knew what I wanted to do. And I, I, but I didn't, I don't think, so when I was a little kid, so primary school age, yeah, I was myself and I, I was my quirky, weird Self and I used to dress up and I was always in a band and I always had my little quirky things that kids mm. do. When I went into secondary school and actually it coincided with me getting my first acting role in yeah set. So I would have been I was eleven when I got my first role on Biker Grove, and it coincided with those awkward years of being a teenager. I 100% did not be myself because then you're, you know, you're already trying to work out what is myself, who am I, you know, all of those identity stuff that we have at that age. And then suddenly I'm on a platform in a normal school and trying to navigate that is hard. Mm. Suddenly you are the kid off the telly. Who do you think you are? You've got mm. money. It was all of that. And suddenly I, you know, I went from a space where I come from a family where it's, you can be whatever you want. And, you know, certainly that was really instilled in us as kids. Like you be, do not, my dad used to say to me a lot, you know, coming from a working class city where, you know, people will nail your feet to the ground. They will. And they, mm. it's kind of a weird when you come from and, you know, you, you may well be yourself. Where mm -hmm. are you from? I don't know exactly where you're from. Yeah, I'm from, from a small like, town in between Edinburgh and Glasgow. So I can yeah. definitely relate yeah. to that. And people will, people will say they want you to fly and to soar, but mm -hmm. really they're nailing your feet to the ground. Mm -hmm. And my dad would always say, go and do anything. Never let anybody tell you that you can't be anything that you want to be. And he really instilled that. He told me never to, and me and my sister, I would say, you know, never let anything hold you back because of your accent because and certainly my accent has probably softened over the years but you know he would say like don't let people let because people can tell that you're not from money they'll always know that and you'll always give those away you'll those tells away that you're not and that's okay own it all and be who you want to be speak clearly enough that even if you've got an accent they can understand what you're saying don't be an idiot who you know speaks in your thick Geordie accent because so they can't understand you because you'll sound stupid and you're not so articulate yourself but never feel like you have to pretend that you're not who you are so that was definitely instilled in the core of me but at that teenage years you know you're just trying to fit in and I desperately wanted to fit in and so I was going you know, on set and I was doing all of my artistic stuff. And then I was going back to a normal school and it was a really hard transition for me. However, having that side thing of, of when I was on set, I knew that that was the real me. So whatever I did at school and all the stuff you do to just get through that stuff, cause it's a hard time in your life. I did that. 
And, you know, I, I played the game and I always felt like I was playing a game. I was always trying to just fit in in that stage. But once I left school, I stopped caring altogether because then I realized, you know what? Those people that were holding me back and trying to nail my feet to the ground, they're going to keep playing small and I'm not. And I knew, and this isn't about ego. This is me understanding my own path. I knew that wasn't my journey to stay where I was. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't. And no judgment on anyone that does that because everyone's path is different. But I knew that that wasn't where I... I fitted in and I, I knew that there was something bigger and I wanted to do more and I wanted to see more. So I always understood that. But I think it certainly took, you know, into my sort of, I'd say really truthfully me going down to London when I was around 19, 20, when I really started to just get comfortable in myself. And I also remember the moment when I just thought, I'm tired of the bullshit. I'm tired of not being myself. And what happens if I just be myself and then someone gets offended or someone gets upset or, you know, like someone doesn't like me, mm-hmm. what happens? And I realized that when you be yourself mm-hmm. full out and sometimes people are offended, sometimes people don't like you. Sometimes, you know, you're not friends with people anymore. I realized that really truthfully, nothing happens. All that happens is you feel like a weight has been lifted off your yeah. shoulders mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can just go, mm-hmm. ah, I can breathe. I can just be myself. And now over the years, you know, certainly over the the last 10 years, 15 years or more, I have really just lent into that. And I've just realized that it's easier to show all of your fuck ups and all of your, <laughs> all of that stuff, because then there's no great expectation. And actually you can just be honest and you can let other people off the hook and they can see the work that I do and they can go, do you know what? She is like me and it's okay if I don't get it right or I don't say it right. Cause she's not going to make me feel small or judge me. It's just mm-hmm. because she does that stuff as well. I mean, I did a live the other week and I was joking about this on something else, but I look like such a dork sometimes. Like, I was doing this live and I knocked my glasses off. I smacked myself in the tooth and then like whacked myself with something on my, like, I don't know what was going on, but actually the, I mean, I could have taken, I could have like taken those bits out and I could have like, you know, yeah. felt embarrassed, but I actually thought, you know what, that, that is reality, but we make mistakes. And the more we can lean into that, the more we can just feel better. I love that Holly and you are speaking my language sister because it is so when we let go of the need to live to someone else's expectations of who we should be life gets easier and I I love when you said that because it's so relatable and and it's it's definitely what I truly believe it's actually impossible to be offended or offend someone when you're being yourself because actually if they're offended that's their stuff it's not yours if they're offended by you being their stuff we try so hard Uh, we're programmed almost to try so hard to don't offend someone don't say that people don't like that people and if oh, oh i can't be me then i can't be me now there's one thing being a complete twat or being yourself but actually speak your truth own who you are like own all sides of yourself there's no one on this planet that feels amazing all the time and anyone that says they do is talking crap and the problem is people look at that and think you know I love social media I really do but it can be so dangerous for people because they look at a 15 second highlight reel yeah right and they've seen a snapshot and they're saying oh my god I'm not like that I'm not like them. I'm not, you are like them. You're seeing 15 seconds. What else is going on for the other 24 hours and however many seconds of that person's day? And I know as a coach, and you will know as a coach as well, Holly, that 
what you see on social media is not what you get when you do a coaching session with someone. No, it's, it's absolutely a, yeah. not. And you can be surprised, actually. You know, you can see someone as totally put together on social media and then you'll work with them as a coach and you'll realize there's so much going on in the background, mm. so much. And that's often why, you know, I do try to, and I know you do as well, that I try to put out on social media other bits as well. And I share other bits. I'm not saying I share everything, but I do share big chunks of important stuff because I, I can't avoid it because otherwise I feel inauthentic when yeah. I'm talking. And I also, I'm, I do not subscribe and I know you don't either. And this is why we're even talking, but we do not subscribe to this toxic positivity nonsense. Mm. And I think what happened, you know, we went from a space of never talking about mental health stuff, never talk about it. Nobody talks about it, brush under the carpet. Nobody's there. You know, that person, you know, something wrong with them. They were crazy. Like it, we didn't talk about it. We didn't talk about the fact that everybody has times when they're not they're on top of their mental health. And then we kind of went into this space of almost like, just be happy, just be positive. Mm. And that's not tangible and that's not helpful. And I am so, I, I know that it would be very easy for someone to, without hearing me speak, which is why I often get on camera, why I talk, because I think people need to get a sense of that. Even though I might say something that might sometimes, you know, I post something and it might sound like it's just a generic statement, possibly, I don't know. But actually when they can hear me speak or when they read my content, I always try to explain what I mean by that because just being positive isn't a thing, right? We just, doesn't make sense to just go be positive. What, how, if somebody's really sad to say to them, just be positive. It's mm -hmm. like telling, you know, it's like telling someone to calm down when they're upset. They just <laughs> want to punch them in the face. No, like, no. absolutely not. <laughs> no, I'm not going to calm down. In fact, I'm more annoyed now. So mm -hmm. for me, it's about, you know, the, the things that I talk about, and I know that you're the same as well. It's, it's about how can we make it real and honest and I will constantly say, look, some days you're going to feel rubbish. Some days you need to sit in your pants, eating chocolate, watching Netflix, and that's what's going to get you through. And you need to cry and you need to be really angry sometimes. I, I mean, I did, a, I remember doing a video a while back, I think it's on my YouTube channel. And it was like, sometimes you need to tell people to fuck off. Mm. And that's actually self-care. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's self-care. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying, again, we're not going to go around deliberately trying to offend people and being yeah. somebody who does that. But equally, know your boundaries and boundaries. understand that that's self-care and that's important too. And so I think we slipped into this like space of like overly like fake positivity. Yeah. And I'm not about that. That's surface level not, bullshit. Yeah, it's just yeah. not, it's yeah, total, total surface level and you're not doing the work. And although there is an element in terms of confidence where fake it till you make it does work, mm -hmm. there is an element in that, mm -hmm. as long as you're doing the inner work too. Because yeah. you can only fake it for so long mm -hmm. and then you just live in it, as we just spoke about, you then just live in an inauthentic life, which on the inside does not, it feels like it's internal battle, does not completely, feel good. Completely, and it's about that, that element, fake it till you make it. Some people are like, I don't get that saying, and I do because the words come first. So sometimes, yeah. you know, we are, these habits of saying, I feel like shit today, or oh, I don't want to get up yeah. today, I feel like shit, I feel like shit, and it becomes a, a habit, mm. you know, and our brains, our minds love familiar. So even if it's shit familiar, it doesn't care, it will go to yeah. what it knows. And if it knows that this is shit, this is a shit life, it will, it will start to bring in things that are a, that are a match, energetic. Match that, yeah. yeah. And the words come first, but you're absolutely right. You need to do the inner work. And it is sometimes painful to go in and feel and process pain and trauma and emotions. Because again, once again, we're programmed not to 
not to feel those emotions you know you don't want to feel sad you don't want to cry you just want to be happy all the time oh my well of course we do but that's not who we are as human being and we were born crying yet we believe it's weak to cry or don't oh you're too emotional oh and it's so many Mm. people will say to me you know I I get really emotional and it's like it's a bad thing I'm like the problem is you think that's a bad thing so therefore you get more emotional your body is showing you something that you need to 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 listen to tune into Yeah, yeah to tune into and actually when when we tune into that energy we actually dissolve its power so much quicker when we just feel it. So much. When we ignore it and we are trying to be positive and trying to keep going and soldier on, brush it under the carpet, brush it under the carpet, just keep going, just keep going. We're actually giving it more power. And that's what creates dis-ease in our bodies. And then we have burnout. We have burnout. What we resist persists. I always say that wrong. What we resist persists. It's true, right? Totally. Like it's, you know, the more that we, we try to go against, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. You know, the, the typical sort of British mentality. Mm. I'm fine, I'm fine. And it's it doesn't help us. We have to feel like you have to give your time. And, and you know, the work that I do, certainly with the Happy Me Project and stuff, it's all about how can you spend time feeling better, more, of, more than you feel rubbish? Like how can you feel more happy, less crappy? Like more of the time but that doesn't mean not feeling it I think it's important to give yourself permission to sit and and even if that's you give yourself an allocated amount of time where Mm. you go right I'm going to give myself 10 minutes I'm going to really cry here like I've got to go to work so I ain't got all day to do this but I've got to feel it otherwise I'm going to shout at somebody at work Mm -hmm. I'm going to not get my I'm going to procrastinate over work because I'm not concentrating because I haven't let it out it's like letting that pressure cook and let some of the pressure out of it just let yourself have that moment to get annoyed about stuff. It's mm-hmm. so important for us. And we, we do avoid it because we feel, a, I think, a level of shame around mm-hmm. feeling stuff, you know? And, and like I say to people, I'm like, you know, people will come to me and they've had the most heinous things go on in their world, right? Really tough stuff, stuff that many people really couldn't deal with. And they'll go, I just can't, I just can't seem to get past it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. whoa, hold on a minute. Like you've had a lot of stuff happen give yourself a moment to catch up you know like people will come to me sometimes after having lost somebody like that you know a sibling I had someone come to me recently and their sibling had died suddenly and she was looking for a solution and it was about two weeks after it had happened and I was mm-hmm. like mate give yourself a moment to breathe like let yourself let your brain can your heart catch up with what has just happened because that's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. we you know certainly i wouldn't you know want to be coaching somebody at that stage and in, in grief or loss they need you need to walk through some of that for a moment and you know in terms of of my own journey and your listeners may not know this of course because they don't know me but my husband died obviously mm-hmm. you know this but mm-hmm. my husband died three years ago and the journey of brain cancer and the the journey that we've had in that time, the first year of grief itself, you are just in a whirlwind of adrenaline and people being there and stuff that's happening. And I'm very much a doer. So I do stuff during that time. I create, I I need to focus on that. Second and third year in, you've got to really start to process that stuff. And actually I found that the second year I'm, you know, I'm in the third year now, but the second year was probably the hardest because it was everyone steps back, it quietens and you have to suddenly live with the fact that your person isn't there and then you have to feel now I said from the beginning in terms of big stuff big trauma you don't have to feel all the feels at once right you don't have to force it 
you don't have to sit with you know pictures of that person and listen to your songs if that doesn't if you're not ready for that and you don't have although we talk about walking through that process and you know you, you can't spiritually bypass the the feelings you have to walk through them equally you don't have to do it all at once and push yourself into overload like i will feel sad when things happen because naturally they will short for me you know just today i actually spoke to i had to phone the gp for my oldest daughter and the gp said to me that so we've got another phone number on here for you uh, for your daughter it's not this one that you're on is this the correct number and it was my husband's phone number and that's been that's the first time in a while that's happened because it's three years down the line and it's that moment of oh and that's horrible but i didn't have to i didn't you know, avoid the fact that that felt horrible. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, but I also didn't have to call it. I didn't have to go look for that pain because it's, it comes up and you work through it as those moments happen. And I think whatever it is that people are going through, you don't, you know, whether it's a break, a relationship breakup, you don't have to force yourself down a, a path of healing because some of that stuff will just be time. I know we don't like to hear that because nobody wants to hear time as a healer because it's not what you want to hear. You want to hear there's a solution for this that I'm feeling right now. But sometimes it is a case of allowing moments to pass, mm -hmm. allowing yourself to experience change mm -hmm. and working forward. And sometimes that all, is all that it is. You know, we don't, we will give you lots of tools that you can use, but equally, sometimes it's a case of just forward, face forward and just yeah. keep taking some steps. And sometimes that's enough. I love that, Holly. And I love that you shared that about Ross because I remember when we first connected um, just over a year ago and I remember watching your stories before I reached out to you. I felt so drawn to you and I love that you shared that. And I remember watching some stuff on YouTube with Ross yeah. about his journey and it was... I, I remember I just couldn't take my eyes off the screen watching him sharing his story when he was getting his results and it was yeah, yeah. bad news and wow. What was it about both of you during that period that decided to share that on YouTube and you know across yeah. those platforms to people? Um, I mean, certainly from Ross's perspective, he was mostly doing it for those around us and the fact that it was it was much easier to just put it onto a video and oh. send that to people than have to explain that 20 times. Like we also understood, like Ross was not, and Ross was on the autistic spectrum, so he was very black and white in his thinking. And so he um he had a very naturally positive or very direct outlook. So when we talk about, you know, um, I guess like other other people's issues not being ours and other people's opinions of us not being any of our business certainly if you've got autism and you will likely because you're so authentic to yourself and your own truth and don't have a filtering system Ross would offend people all the time because <laughs> he just didn't have a filter and it would be constantly me like elbowing him saying they don't like it when you say that they don't want to talk about that Ross they, their body language is telling me that they don't want to talk about that and he's like what do you mean I mean he wouldn't notice until someone cried like they you know sometimes <laughs> some autism, i'd be like kicking him for about 10 minutes they're, they're not comfortable with this conversation you've taken it too far but he wouldn't always notice that but i think actually that level and certainly in terms of our relationship as well we were very true and com you know our conversations were very real we didn't skirt around awkward conversations when when ross was diagnosed with uh, grade four brain cancer we had within about two days of him being told, Ross was like, well, if I get too bad, then we'll, you're going to have to take me somewhere and get me killed off because I don't want to live like that. Mm -hmm. You know, talking about euthanasia. And I'm like, 
that is a hard conversation mm-hmm. to have mm-hmm. with somebody. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we used to jokingly say like that Ross probably couldn't have gone out with somebody who wasn't an actor and who wasn't a thinky person because possibly wouldn't have been able to doubt, deal with some of those conversations. But, but I've, for me and my own personal journey as well, having been that honest throughout and had those minging conversations, those mm-hmm. conversations you really don't want to have, you know, have, you know, we sat with a, a surgeon the second time Ross had brain surgery had twice and the second time he had it just before the surgery and we had to sit there and Ross had asked, how am I going to die? Like, how does it happen? That's not a conversation everybody can have. There's people, a lot of people that wouldn't have asked that question, but Ross wanted to know, right. Okay. So if this happens, okay, so that's what's going to happen. And it, for me as his wife, I was not left with, I guess, unanswered questions because mm-hmm. I'd had those conversations and I know what he would say. And largely what he would say is, get on with it. Stop being ridiculous. Get back up. Come on, crack on. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Like he wouldn't, there wasn't, and, and he had that very, you know, his sort of, um, his way of being was very black and white. I've got, he used to say, I've got cancer. They tell me I've got cancer, but I can't fucking feel it. They just tell me I've got it. They could be making it up. I don't know what, like mm-hmm. he didn't read the symptoms he was supposed to have. He didn't have those symptoms because of it. And so actually wow. when, when he, you know, when he eventually got to the stage where he was at end of life and then died, people would say, well, I'm, you know, at least he's not in pain. And I'm like, he wasn't in pain. Like it's very hard for people to understand that, but he didn't mm-hmm. have the normal symptoms. Anytime somebody would talk to us about symptoms, I'd, I'd shut them down and say, I don't want to hear your story. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know why? Because that's your story. That ain't my yeah. story. And it came the same with grief as well. You know, when I remember sitting in the hospice and I remember everybody, you know, certainly the national press picked it up. There was like a lot of interest in, in what was happening. And, you know, and I was sharing my journey as well. And um, I remember sat there thinking, I, you know, people expect certain things of yeah. you, certain yeah. way of being when you're grieving. Mm-hmm. And because eyes were on me, I was definitely aware of that. You know, how should I behave? Am I behaving in an appropriate way? Am I not? You know, your head's all over the place and I just remember sitting there thinking look you haven't done your life in the traditional route in in any sense not ever Mm -hmm. you know not ever have I done that whether it was me being on tv as a kid me leaving to go to London and do singing and I was signed to Sony like all the things that I've done like throughout my life I've never been conventional and at every stage somebody has told me you won't be able to do that somebody has told me you know that's you shouldn't really do that and you should speak like this and people like you don't do that people have told me those stories and at not any stage have I accepted those as my reality and so I sat there thinking so why the fuck are you why are you allowing them in now why are you allowing that in now because do this in your own way so by his hospice bed I put my makeup on and I did my hair and I know other people don't the people maybe thought that's weird why is she doing that that's my way that was my way of control that's my wall paint that's me getting myself ready to deal with whatever shit's going on yeah in front right next to him I did YouTube videos and I talked about my journey and the pain and the loss because I knew that there was somebody else sat there that wasn't yes. brave enough to do that yes. and they fucking needed to hear it yes they needed to yes. hear me say it. Mm. this is the thing like I knew that and even in and actually that is still bent it was still helping me so some people without a doubt would have looked at that and went that's oversharing but that's still none of my business that's their business because for every one of those people that said that I have thousands of people in my inbox constantly saying I wouldn't have got through this if I hadn't watched your story if I hadn't seen that and then for those that have got their comments of you know and I've had it all of course being online you get all kinds of comments of you probably didn't love your husband because they think because I can talk about it that means that I didn't love him but that's people who haven't experienced that level of love in my opinion yeah because we I can also understand that 
you know, me and Ross, you know, we had nearly 10 years together. And I remember actually when he had his second brain surgery, just before it, he said, it just doesn't seem enough, does it? Like on paper, it doesn't seem enough time for what we've had. And I'm like, it doesn't. I understand that because, you know, you see all couples and they've been together for 50 years and you understand that they've, they've lived a long life. But me and Ross did everything together when we met we we both entrepreneurs we both work for ourselves we spent our days pottering around together drinking cups of tea and having a laugh for 10 years and like that's a long time to be together and to be that real and honest and i look at that and i go it's properly shit what happened and there's still days when i go did that really happen is he really not here but equally i do it all again because we had an amazing time and you know life isn't Life isn't perfect, as we've said, and some people come with you, some people don't, but it doesn't, you know, I'd never want people to, you know, go through that and think, well, that's it. That's me done now. Then that's my life over. And I was 32 when that happened. And I'm like, I didn't want that to be it. Not for me, not for the kids, you know, like in Ross wouldn't. No, No, Ross said the thing that I remember him saying to me before, and we actually put it on the funeral cards and it was like, he's just saying, look, I've done everything that I wanted to do. Right. Yeah. I've lived a, a good life, done everything that I want to do. I don't regret anything. And just tell them I was all right. Mm. That's it. Just tell them I was all right. Tell them I was okay. And that was it. Like, and people might think, well, that's not like a big aspirational, like, but I, I think that if you can get some people get to a hundred and they've never lived a life where they can feel that confidently that they've done what they wanted to do. Yeah. And there's so many that don't so many that don't because they're living their life through other people's expectations of how they should show up Mm -hmm. just listening to your story every part of my body was buzzing with like energy and connection to you I love how real and honest you are and I think it's amazing what you did and I asked you that question because I know that you will have had people saying nasty shit to you but I also know that there will have been thousands and still are thousands of people that watch you and feel like actually there's another way that I can be yeah like Holly like I don't need to because someone else thinks I should stay in my house and you know batten down the hatches for six months because someone close to me has died I'm not allowed to laugh anymore you know that's one person's opinion what do you want to do because there's a whole other life worth living and as you said Ross would want you to do that and what you guys had and as I say I, I had never met Ross I didn't know him but I watched the YouTube stuff that you guys put out and you can see that love and real love connection and as I said people don't even experience that in their lifetime because they're too worried about having to play small or dilute who they are as a person yeah Yeah. I think dilutes it isn't it it's that feeling of like not when you love somebody and when you connect not not even necessarily romantic love but friendship lover or family if you're really going to connect with someone they've got to connect with your worst bits yeah. you've got to connect with your messy they've got to connect with your weird shit that you're hiding from the rest of yeah, the world totally. if you can't if you can't connect on that level you know like then that's not it for me that's not it like i I'm not a, you know, I'm sure you're the same. I can't do small talk very well. I feel like it's a script that I'm playing a game. Like I want to speak to someone and I want to go, so what's your deepest, darkest desires and fears? (laughs) Like, let's talk about those. When did you feel the most shame? Like, like, (laughs) like, what's the worst thing that you've done? Like, what's the funniest day? Like, uh, what's your most embarrassing moment? Like, they're the things that I want to know about people because 
that's where that's where humanity is that point of us feeling a bit uncomfortable is actually where we are our most human and truth like i say to the girls and my daughters are seven seven and nine and you know my oldest particularly is going through it at the moment and um really quite fearful and anxious mm. and certainly the lockdown stuff has has intensified things and so we're working through some stuff but i'm always trying to say to them look everyone around you has mm-hmm. shit going on mm-hmm. and I'll point people out on the school run. I'm like, look at her, right? You look how like gorgeous she is. And she's all put together. She was crying into her washing this morning because she can't get her sorted. Yeah. Look at her, Look at that lovely couple or chatting and stuff on the school run. They were screaming and shouting at each other last night. Yeah. Nobody's perfect. Mm-hmm. We're not, we, as you said about social media gives us this stupid veil of perfection that mm-hmm. somehow, you know, we've got a whole generation of people that are living up to this, mm-hmm. that, you know, I, I get so angry now about the the lack of declaring when somebody's filtering their pictures or when they're filtering mm. on and auto auto tuning. I was gonna say and they're not auto tuning. They could be <laughs> they're singing. Um, you know, when they're face tuning and um they're but I'm like because I mean I can see it, but not everyone can. And it really frustrates me because I'm like it, and I've had it actually someone posted something yesterday where someone take a picture with me and they will face to my face and I'm like rude excuse me like because they've done theirs they kind of have to do mine as well otherwise it looks too obvious I'm like that's so weird like I'm okay with the fact that I've got veins around my nose and black hairs and spots and sometimes I don't pluck my eyebrows perfectly and I'm a you know I've a bit of a red chin like, I, like that's an actual head like that's what we look like people people don't look like dolls it just drives me nuts and it's so it, it's so bad for our health it it's is so it's, it's damaging and I think I talk about this a lot when we are putting a filter when we swipe that filter what we are affirming to ourselves is not good enough yeah straight away not good enough that is the message that you're sending to yourself so is it any wonder that you feel like crap and that's not anyone else's fault so okay we can say we can say it's social media but you're making that choice and the thing is I remember meeting someone on holiday a few years ago and uh and I started talking to her at the swim pool and she said, oh my God, you're from where I am. Uh, oh, don't look at me. Don't look at me. I don't look like my pictures because <gasps> she filtered them. And I felt so sorry for her. I really oh did. God. I thought that is so shit that you feel that you've got to do that because so sad. It, it just takes, you know, when, and then the thing is everyone's doing it. So when you put a yeah. picture of yourself and you've got a filter, you're like, oh, I don't look like them. I just, I might as well just join the filter crew and put the filter on. Of course, you're going to look better with a filter. You look like, (laughs) you don't look like you. Do you know what I mean? It's stupid. I mean, I went, I was doing um, Lorraine Kelly last year and there was a makeup artist on there who actually was from the Northeast, lovely girl. And she was chatting in the makeup room and she said to me that her friend, Um, would send her a picture before she posted it on social media to check that she hadn't filtered it so much that she didn't look like her. Mm. That blows my mind. And bear in mind, I'm not like people see you, right, as as grown ass women, right? I did not come from a place of having high self esteem. I have learned that has taken yeah. time. I grew up on television. I had seven mm. years of my teenage years, the years that you guys can all hide in your parents' loft, and you never have to look <laughs> at those pictures again. Well, certainly our generation can. Mm. The younger generation, yours is all on the internet. So yes. <laughs> mine was, you know, mine was all on TV, and so. All of my work, like a cringing, the yes, you don't want to think about like 
gappy teeth and my frizzy hair, my skinny little body. I mean, it's not much change. I'll be honest. I'm kind of just going back into that authentic self. <laughs> um, <laughs> the only thing that's changed me were gappy teeth. And, but all of that stuff was on TV. I was riddled with self-doubt. I could have, I had serious body dysmorphia when I was about 13, 14, 15. I was, and I can't think of anything worse than that having been online can't think of anything worse I it was bad enough at being on tv and every day going to work and having a makeup artist correct my face in the same way we do with filters it was exactly the same having a makeup artist put makeup on my face I watched them do it I created the reasons why they were doing it sometimes they would share the reasons why they were doing it and so at such a young impressionable age every day I was having it reaffirmed not good enough enough. and it's the same that we're doing online but I was having that at that age and I think sometimes people will see me now and I've got high self-esteem now that doesn't mean I don't think I've got flaws I've got Mm -hmm. stretch marks all over my stomach um I've got blackheads and spots and all of those normal things that us humans have Mm. you know I'm 36 I'm starting to get wrinkles and grays and all of that stuff but you know on the other side I could focus on that or I can go actually largely I'm all right I'm pretty good look all right for my age And and I think that now but it has taken time so if people are listening or watching and thinking, but I'm, I'm not going to get there, you will. Like, yeah. seriously, but you got to do the work. I'm not saying it's an easy ride mm-hmm. because I'm telling you now, when I was that, you know, that age, when I was in my early 20s even, I'm starting to get better then, but it took me a long time. I would never have went outside the house without makeup on, never. And that's a new thing for me. Actually, even, and this is the truth, even in the last couple of years, going live on camera without makeup on, I'd not done that before. And I didn't realize there's still layers. There's always layers because again, we have so much expectation of ourselves that actually even that I was like, Ooh, I don't feel comfortable because when you're on camera, you put makeup on. That was, Mm -hmm. you know, my association. And so even like I've done that a couple of times over the last couple of years, not loads, and again, don't put pressure on yourself. I'm not saying you have to never wear makeup. There's nothing wrong with it. Mm. But equally, it's where the motivation is coming from. Yeah. When I was younger, I would mask, mask, mask. I was covered in fake tan. I was at the sunbeds all the time. Oh I mean, God, all the worst things. I was fluorescent orange. Every I had to have my nail, my acrylic nails done. I had to have eyelashes. I had to, and it's kind of, you know, certainly like, you know, you see girls now when you can barely, they can barely open their eyes for the eyelashes on their faces it looks I'm sorry but it looks ridiculous for a bit of fun as a night out yeah but every day look mm. what you're telling yourself because your eyelashes were sound your eyelashes were sound if you want to have a big dramatic look now and then of course I'm all for that mm. kind of creativity but that's not your actual face and if you're not comfortable with your actual head then that's why the work needs to be done like yeah. that's it and it, I feel so strong you know I've got two girls and they're going to be so influenced by that they already are no matter what yeah. I say yeah. and I've shown them face tune I show them that stuff we talk about it. I say look this is mommy's friend and she's in the in the magazine look how much she's been airbrushed because you know her that's not her face I see it and I yeah. you know I know it from my own from the tv world how ridiculous it can be but it's yeah it's something we really need to keep a check of Oh my God, I totally agree. I think, and I, even for boys, I mean, I've not got the girls, mm. but the boys, I mean, t- talking about the girls, I've got a niece and she's 10. And my sister says that about her. She's like, oh my God, they've got the WhatsApp chat and the group chat. And, you know, it's like the TikTok and the, yeah. oh, the filter. And I think, wow, like, I mean, I sound like my mum, but I'm like, it wasn't like that in my day. I mean, but at least on TikTok, they actually have to, it's interesting on TikTok, they have to declare what filter they've got on. They can't hide behind it, which I like. So it will come up teeth whitening. 
which I think is a big one because my daughters, you know, that age when their teeth are just coming through and they're all awkward about their teeth and like she's getting a bit, she's on TikTok, she's private account, but she's on TikTok. So she'll say, oh, they've got like, I've got yellow teeth. And then like, we've talked about that. And it's like, they've not got that white teeth. They've got, yeah. well, one, they've got adult teeth. And so once you're an adult, your teeth are properly in and they're a bit different. But equally, they've got a teeth whitening thing on their like thing. Mm. I mean, it looks ridiculous. Just can we just stop it? Can we all just agree to stop being ridiculous and start to like ourselves a bit more instead? And that's it. It's that inner work. We're constantly looking for validation externally of what other filter can I put on? Oh yeah, that makes me feel good. I look good. You're like, hey, it's really not making you feel good. You're getting None. a short hit there. But what you are affirming to yourself deeply is that you are not good enough. And then you wonder why you struggle with your mental health you know, in a day-to-day basis, you know, and that's it. And the, the amount of people that absolutely look incredible, but they have body dysmorphia or they don't want to go outside. They don't like going out. They've got social anxiety and it's because they don't want people to see them looking the way they look, which is perfect, but they, yeah. it's not the filtered picture. Well, this is the thing, right? So when we think about our, our brains and how we work and stuff, our brains work perfectly well. So when we feel anxiety, that is a reflection of something that's coming in, yeah. right? Yeah. Something that's creating that. Your brain isn't broken. Like I, I speak to particularly women, actually, who will give me all the reasons, all the labels they've been given. And I'm like, you're not broken. Like you're not broken. <laughs> yeah. Your your brain is working perfectly well based on what you're putting in. If we eat rubbish, if we eat cake all day, right? Our bodies are going to get flabby and fat, right? And we're going to feel unhealthy. It's the same with our brains. Of course right? it is. It's the same with our brains, but we think it's different. It's not different. If you put crap in right now, you know, we're in a global pandemic. Right now, I don't re- I don't watch the news as much yeah. as possible. Right? But, but why do I need to? I know that there's going to be some negative Sue on the school run that's going to tell, tell me what's you. going on. You need to know, <laughs> yeah. I'm the same. It's I do not on. watch it. I don't watch it. And, and people will say, well, how do you know what's going on? I'm like, oh, trust me, I know Please. what's going on. <laughs> Please, I know what's going on because you're stoned. <laughs> shut up about it like I you've got sometimes especially with you know certainly the way things are right now you have to zone in into your smaller space but otherwise it's too overwhelming it's too much to get through so I just think it's so important that we get really really clear if you're following someone online that for whatever reason doesn't make you feel good even if it's envy and maybe you started following them because you thought they were going to be your fitspiration person and actually every time you go on you feel crap and you want to eat cake and sit in your pants and you don't want to do anything (laughs) because you feel rubbish about yourself and then stop following them Mm. like I will say to people actively when people come to my workshops in person or when I'm doing live streams and stuff I will actively say if for whatever reason I don't make you feel good when you follow me unfollow me because yeah, totally. I'm not fit for purpose mm-hmm. it's okay even if I fo- I've unfollowed someone last year I actually like the person I think she's all right I don't like how she markets herself online it makes mm-hmm. me it goes against the things that I yeah. like it's all very hustle mentality and it's just mm-hmm. very cold I don't like seeing it and I don't dislike her I understand why she does it I understand what it gets I just don't like say it. And every time I would, you can see even now my demeanor's yeah, changing because I'm thinking about changes. it. I'm uh-huh. like, <laughs> like, and when I, so I just unfollowed her and it wasn't a, it wasn't a critique of her as a person. Actually, it wasn't me going, you're a crap person. I'm going to unfollow you. It was just that I was like, do you know what? It isn't making me feel good when I yeah. see it because I just do that face every time I see it and I feel rubbish. It doesn't matter the reason. If it doesn't feel good, get it out of your space. What are you doing it for? 
you know, in Buddhism, they talk about, and I'm totally paraphrasing because I'm not a Buddhist, but I used to do Buddhist meditation. And these, these talk about holding onto the hot coal and wondering why your hands getting burned. And what they will say is that's what we do as human beings, right? We we look and let's say you, you following someone from Love Island and you feel they're gorgeous and all airbrushed and perfected and face tuned and you don't know actually what's real it's none of it's real actually but just you know you're watching it and you're going i feel rubbish i'm not good enough you're holding on to this hot core and your hands burning you're hurting yourself you're causing yourself pain in buddhism they go just let go of the hot coal. <laughs> That's so true <laughs> you're like what are you doing you've got what you've, you've got, got- You've got to try to let go. So when you find yourself doing that, so I visual, I'm a very visual person, so I visualize that kind of thing. And so when I can feel myself, you know, zooming in to something that's actually causing me pain, I'm like, just fucking let go of the hot coal, you know. <laughs> let go of the Delete. hot coal. Delete. Delete. Unfollow. Walk away. I don't need that. It's a powerful thing. When we talked about boundaries, it's a powerful yeah. thing. It's taking your power back and just even for, for the listeners, just try doing it. Like, hmm. you, you go, oh, I don't want to offend them. They're, they don't even, they probably won't even notice. <laughs> Do you no, know what I mean? Like, honestly, who cares? You are only responsible for you. You're only yeah. responsible for you, not them. And stop worrying about offending people. And, oh, you know, what if, what if, if it's not making you feel good, make a choice, make a decision, take control, own your life, right? Because you've got one life own it, make those choices that are going to make you feel good. Surround your people, yourself with people that are going to make you feel good, a tribe of people. And if you want more people that are real, then they need to be connecting with you, Holly, and myself. Absolutely, and- definitely do. Amazing, amazing. Thank you so much, Holly. That's was so welcome. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Thank you so, so much. You're so welcome. And if anyone does want to come and hang out with me, obviously I know you'll put links and things below, but I also have my Facebook group, which is a bit of a a space for people to hang out, which is the Happy Me Project Facebook group. And if anyone wants to hang out in there, I'm there live a couple of times a week and we just do we just chat and we get you know we check in on each other and make sure everyone's all right so people are more than welcome and let me know that you came from this podcast as well so i, I can love let you know. that i love that holly and if they want to follow you on instagram it's holly matthews it is i am holly matthews and i always say to people if you if you type in holly matthews into google and you can't find me then the internet is broken and you should phone somebody immediately <laughs> and say what the hell is going on i'm on there so if you i am holly matthews dot com is my uh, website but you'll find all of my social media i'm on instagram youtube facebook tiktok but i'm just hilarious over there it's not very self-relevant i love your tiktoks Holly. i love your tiktoks i'm gonna do them for my kids to make them laugh so i can look like a cool mom um yeah so i, I hang out on all the social media apart from snapchat i'm gonna do snapchat not really on there but everywhere no. else you can come and come and chat to me and i i you know i am accessible like people can talk to me i'm yeah. not on call 24 7 though so don't send me loads of stuff 24 7 like some people do boundaries. i have boundaries boundaries she has boundaries people she I has do. boundaries I do. but we we will also put all the links in this podcast episode as well so people can reach Fantastic. out to you but you are amazing and i am so so grateful for you coming on thank you thank so you much. so much this episode is sponsored by unearth your power unearth your power is an incredible 21 day online life transformation course that will focus on your past present and future allowing you to manifest your dream life And of course, this course was created by myself and my amazing sister from another mister, Lynette Gray. 
use our code SLH50 to get 50 pounds off this incredible life-changing course.